Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are all formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slave or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I am not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I am not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important we treat with special honor. The private parts aren't shown, but they are treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put together all the parts of the body, and he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. This is God's word. Amen. Good morning, Father. We thank you for this time today as we gather with PMC Beyond. I just ask that you would meet us uh, and, and, and uh, fill up our, our space. May we know your presence today, Lord. God, may you, may you remove any obstacles or hindrances uh, that are in our minds today, Lord. I just pray that our, our listening environment uh, is just uh, so suitable to learn uh, from you today, God, um, not, just, not just for more information, but uh, we, want, we want transformation, Lord, uh, and we know ultimately that comes from you. Uh, so Holy Spirit, uh, get your tools ready. Uh, please, uh, please work on us today. Uh, by your kindness, lead, lead us to repentance. Challenge us, Heavenly Father. Uh, we we want to hear from you today. And Father, as we uh, consider uh, shalom today and a shalom church, and we wrestle with this idea of peace, uh, Lord, uh, this world, as, as we see on the news, um, this world just seems to be 
just falling apart left and right. Uh, but you know, as we look look back in history, th- this world um, this world has been a hard place uh, for a long time since Genesis chapter three. Um, but but Father, there is good news, uh, and and there is there is wholeness and completeness and harmony that we can seek out today. And we find that in you. We find that in your son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, may we be a Jesus church today as we listen in um, and, and, and may, may we shape our thoughts around you, Jesus. May, may we shape our church life around you, Jesus. We want nothing else. Uh, and so God, um, as we think about healing and shalom and peace and mending, we do pray for those who are broken and hurting right now, those who need healing, God. Father, we have a, we have a prayer request list, Lord. Um, we pray for those individuals. We pray for healing. We pray for peace and comfort. May the doctors know what they need to do. Uh, may the pharmaceuticals, Lord, work. Those uh, going through chemo or radiation, Lord, we just pray that that can be a good thing, Heavenly Father, that it works, Lord. Father, uh, may uh, new remedies come available, Lord. May, may new technologies come out to help curb things like Parkinson's and uh, and, and other chronic illnesses, Lord. We, we lift these things up to you, God. Uh, ultimately, we look to you as the healer of all things. We look to Jesus. We know by his wounds we are healed. And so we look to Jesus. We look to the cross. We look to the empty tomb. We continue to ponder these things. We continue to embrace the cross, suffering, lament, sorrow, but also joy and peace and love and freedom and new life and resurrected life. And God, help us to walk through the valley. We know you are with us. You do not forsake us. Lead us on the right path. And today, as we get into your word, as we get into this message, may the meditation of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you. Lead us where you want us to go. We are your church. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning once again, PMC Beyond. Uh, If you were here last week, we introduced the concept of shalom. And today we are going to continue that conversation. Specifically, we are looking at what it means to be a Shalom church. Shalom uh, is an ancient word. It is a complex word uh, that refers to an ideal state of complete peace. Okay, Shalom refers to, it's, it's a big container of a word. It refers to an ideal state of complete peace. But before we get to the meat and potatoes of our message today, I would like to give a little bit more of of an intro as as a setup for our framework of what we will be doing, God willing, over the next couple of of weekends here. So as we begin today, uh, let's go into the Jesus story. Uh, We are, uh, it's, it's specifically the night Jesus was betrayed by Judas. So this is the Last Supper, and, and Jesus is, is hanging out with, with his disciples. Um, 
that evening was super special. And uh, part of what we have recorded is Jesus prayed for his disciples. And the gospel writer John records some amazing prayers by Jesus. And so we are in John 17, and Jesus is praying for his disciples. In fact, he's praying for us. Jesus prays for all who believe in him. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Jesus prayed. That's John 17, 15. Jesus asked the Father that the church would be sanctified in the truth, by the truth. Father, mend their heads and their hearts in the truth. And then Jesus prays, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. John 17, 18. The church is not to be taken out of the world, but we are sent by Jesus into the world. Let me say that again. The church is not to be taken out of the world, but we are sent by Jesus into the world. And as 1 John 3, 8 reminds us, the Son of God was revealed to destroy the devil's works. Okay, that's what Jesus is up to. Jesus has some butt kicking to do. And guess what? Jesus has a church for his mission. And as we think about shalom, and God mending this world, Ephesians 1.10 teaches that God will make all things new in heaven and on earth through Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Yes, there is a future climax that ends with God healing all things. But that project of healing and mending the world that is also in motion right now. For starters, resurrection is proof of that. God brought new reality into uh, the middle of the old reality. But also, I am evidence that Jesus is mending and amending this world. Jesus has changed my life, and he continues to do so. Now, when we talk about shalom being an ideal state of complete peace and harmony and wholeness. Yes, someday Jesus will finally wash his hands clean from the presence and power and penalty of sin. But the thing is, if the church has this privilege of future shalom, I suggest we also have the present responsibility of seeking shalom out today. Because we are not called out of this world, we are sent into it. And so, in light of that, we are invited to imagine what Plymouth Meeting Church and PMC beyond this, this online extension into where, wherever you are locally situated, we are invited to imagine what Plymouth Meeting Church should be like in our lifetime, what PMC could be like. We're calling for a shalomic imagination, envisioning shalom, the shalom church of Plymouth meeting. Now, when we talk about church, I understand sometimes we really wish the New Testament would have just have written a, a church operations manual, right? What we do have in the New Testament are a bunch of images and metaphors of the church. The church is a body. 
the salt of the earth, God's building, the bride, the branches, and, and so on. Just tons of images and metaphors of the church. And hey, if anyone is interested in this subject, I want to spotlight Paul Menier's book, Images of the Church in the New Testament. Uh, this is a thorough and complete book, uh, again, by Paul Menier. Paul Menier. I can, I can put the information in the notes if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, he, it, it's a deep dive. Um, it's, it's thoroughly uh, biblical, and, and Paul Menier ties, uh, ties in the New Testament images with Old Testament verses. Uh, it's, it's a great deep book. Um, but anyways, the New Testament has all these rich images to help us understand who we are as a church, to help us understand the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the life of the church. And so as we look around and at the church today, there are many different expressions, lived out expressions of the church, okay? And so it's like, it's great that we have all these metaphors in the Bible, but then as we just look at the church today, it's like, what do we see? And so let me oversimplify and just kind of map this out very, very quickly. And uh, again, an oversimplification here, but based on history, uh, for starters, one, we could say the church looks like this. You have Catholic, you have the Orthodox Church, and then you have Protestants. Or how about this? Getting a little bit more detailed, you can kind of say, okay, you have the, um, you know, the Catholic Church and the, the Orthodox, or, you know, there's that split. But then also in the Protestants, you could kind of separate, you have the, uh, those who use lit uh, liturgy and those who uh, are, are non-liturgical. And then you can even say, okay, there's those who are charismatic and Pentecostal and things like that. Or, you know, yeah, we can get more detailed. You have, the, you have the, the Western Catholic, the Eastern Orthodox, and under the Protestant umbrella, there's, there's the Anglican stream and Lutheran stream and Anabaptist and Charismatic streams. And of course, we could fill this out. We could continue to fill this out. So many different streams and different types of expressions of Christianity. So any student of the church of Christianity will quickly see how diverse we are. There is a plurality that catches the attention. Diversity in the church has, has been a thing for a long time. Now, let me take you to the year 325. Mini history lesson here. The year 325. It's about 300 years after Jesus. Christianity is an international faith. Different languages are being spoken under this, this religion called uh, Christianity. Um, we're in the city of Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey, and a bunch of Christian leaders come together. But in context here, uh, in, in this 4th century world, there were theological conflicts. Uh, there, there were controversies. There were uh, heresies and false doctrines floating around. And, and naturally, um, this you know 300-year-old church, just naturally there was pressure to consolidate some, some beliefs. The church wanted to consolidate some beliefs so that they could defend them. 
And so coming out of Nicaea in 325 is what we call the Nicene Creed. It is an it's, it's an attempt to unify the 4th century church. And then 56 years later, in 381, in the city of Constantinople, uh, the creed was was updated, uh, and that's if you're uh, if you if you know the Nicene Creed, this is what you might be familiar with. Uh, and so we have this great creed that's really old, and it continues to be used today. But here's the thing: um, the creed says this about the church. It, it only says this about the church. It says, "We believe in one holy Catholic." apostolic church. Okay, we, we can affirm this statement, and we can back this up with, with Scripture. It's, it's a good statement. And, and for the most part, these, uh, these are traditional marks of the church. The body of Christ is one. It's holy. It's Catholic or universal, and it's apostolic, meaning there's a, there's a sending, uh, a missional sense to it. Now, drawing from the authors of Howard Snyder and Joel Scandrett, uh, they point out that these traditional marks of the church, they only tell half of the story. These authors flesh out that, um, you know, these traditional marks of the church uh, have, have more to say. Like, there's another side uh, to these traditional marks. Uh, and so this is, what they, this is what they point out. The church is one and diverse. The church is holy and charismatic. The church is Catholic or universal and local. The church is apostolic as well as prophetic. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to con continue to consider what it means to be a shalom church. And we will do so by using these marks of the Christian community. And uh, let me say, I think... Uh, the key is to hold these traditional marks in healthy tension, healthy tension. And so um, let us consider today that the church is one and the church is also diverse. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give you just like 15 seconds uh, to stretch just to kind of like reset. We're going to get into our our like meat and potatoes now, as I said, we're going to get into it now. So um Let's give you 15 seconds, stretch, breathe, take a sip of coffee, uh, and then we'll come back to this. Okay, so the church is one and it's also diverse. The New Testament gives witness to this. Jerusalem Christians are certainly different from those in Antioch, and Ephesus is certainly different from, from Rome. Uh, the early church was filled with different ethnicities and cultures and language and social classes and genders and, and so on. And so what we see is a multi-ethnic, multi-language society of mended people from different backgrounds and contexts who believed and the resurrected Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Now, looking into Paul, who wrote a large chunk of the New Testament, 
you know, he did a lot of the, the theological hammering and, and he had to wrestle through different clashes and conflicts and factions and frictions in different first century churches. Um, unity is a big theme for Paul. Unity and oneness was a big deal for Paul. Paul had to consistently write about unity and peace, specifically unity and peace in Christ within this diverse group of of believers, a diverse group of people who center their lives around Jesus as the risen Messiah. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's actually just let Paul speak for himself. Uh, We're going to take a look at Ephesians 2, 13 to 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace." So Paul is saying Jesus repealed the legal code that condemned every single one of us. Jesus hit the restart button. Instead of continuing on with Gentile and and Jew uh, division separated by centuries of hostility and suspicion, what Jesus did is he created a new humanity, this fresh start for everybody. Verse 16, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the, ho- the hostility to death. Hostility and all of its friends and buddies, like hate, were nailed to the cross. Verse 17. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This is good news. Because we are united in Christ in the Spirit, it's like we have VIP passes. Did you know that? We we have like royal access to the King. Verse 19. So then You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Now, when I was prepping for this sermon, I got stressed out a little bit because I started to think about all of the ugliness that's in the church today, all of the disunity in the church, all all of the things that divide us. Uh, And so my brain wanted to make a list of all of the things that divide the church. But then I got redirected because today isn't about division. Today is about unity. Today is about oneness in Jesus. Today is about Jesus. 
today is about Jesus. So when we talk about church unity and oneness, we got to start with Jesus. Jesus is what makes the church go around. And so think about yourself, your culture, your nationality, the language you speak, your sin issues, your temptations, your triggers, your social class, your education, your politics, your opinions, your preferences. Think about all the identities and labels that you wear, okay? Now, all of those things, that's just you, and you're just one person. Every single one of us, though, we bring a huge list of differences. Now, in terms of salvation, Paul says, before Jesus, you were far away. We were all far away, but we are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there are so many things that separate us, so many things that make us distinct from one another. And as Americans, we, we like this. The American individualism, right, is, is like we, our, our muscles are flexing there in that, in that area. We Americans love our, our individualism, right? There's so many things that make me different and unique and special. I'm separate from you. I'm distinct from you, right? But Paul, uh, he's, he's able, even after, you know, 2,000 years, like through history, Scripture is still able to pierce through that American individualism. And, and Paul is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings all of us together. Jesus brings all of us together. And you know what? All of us are under construction. We are all part of the household, the family. And again, we're still being built. We are all under construction. Now, in another letter, Paul writes about unity and diversity in the one church. And he uses the metaphor of a body to get his point across. And so I want to quickly point back to today's scripture reading from 1 Corinthians 12. The body is one, but it also has many parts. And all the parts of that body, though it's many, it's one body. But then Paul says, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Oneness in the church of Christ is part of the shalom concept. The Shalom Church is not monocultural, it is diverse. The Shalom Church is not divided, it is one. And Jesus, you know, he prayed for the oneness of all believers. And I heard a pastor say something like this, would Jesus pray a prayer that he thought was a waste of time? Circling back to John 17 now, Jesus prays, May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one. 
that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. It is Jesus who makes the church go round. It is Jesus and his saving grace that unites a a diverse group, a bunch of sinful ragamuffins. But Jesus brings us together. Now the struggle is, the struggle is we still live in a Good Friday world. Okay? We still live in a Good Friday world. There's still pain. There's still mobs. There's still misalignment. There's conflict. Weird things happen to us. We still live in a Good Friday world, but the good news is we are Easter people. And so in light of being a Shalom church, in light of being Easter people, with the framework of diversity and oneness, what is going to drive Plymouth Meeting Church in in Shalomic ways? What's going to drive us as we embrace oneness, but we're also diverse, as we embrace that framework, as we seek wholeness and harmony and peace, what is going to drive us? And so there's lots to say about this. I have three things for us today, um, three observations. Again, so much more we could be digging into today, uh, but let's get to it. The first thing, uh, let's start with theology. A shalom church does theology in conversation. And in conversation, knowing the difference between dogma, doctrine, and opinion, that is so vital. Do you know the difference between dogma, doctrine, and opinion? Dogma is what makes Christianity Christianity, okay? Dogma is the core essentials, all right? Like, Christianity has a dogma. If you mess with any of it, it stops being Christianity. Okay? So dogma, uh, dogma is the core. Now, stemming off of that is doctrine. Doctrine is our teachings, our teachings. And there's more of a spectrum here. Doctrines are not changeless. Okay? They can be edited. They can be updated. They can be translated into different languages. They can be contextualized and so on. And there's, a, there's so much more variety here with, with doctrine, all right? Um, but in the church, as we do theology and conversation, doctrine is where we give ourselves legitimate grounds for disagreement. Like teachings exactly how a person gets saved, or views on the apocalypse, views on the baptism method, okay? Some doctrines are, are shaped by, by culture, and some doctrines carry more emotional weight than, than others. There are some topics that uh, you can slice and dice and get into and dig your teeth into, and, um, you know, you're just fine. There, there's, other, there's other topics that if somebody messes with that, that might be a triggering point. You might get way more emotional. You might, you might, uh, you might get, uh, I, like, like some doctrines carry so much more of a, of a personal weight and, and emotion. Um, and we need to, we need to be aware of that. 
We need to be aware of that. Now, opinion is, is everything else, okay? Opinion is just things that you find interesting, but it's really not important. And so, um, as we contend to be a healing community, a shalom church, when we have conversations, we must do a good job at distinguishing between these three. Dogma-wise, the Amish are Christian, but certainly we hold different doctrines and opinions on how to live out the Christian life, all right? It is important to check ourselves, our preferences, our opinions. It is important to see if we're elevating a doctrine to the level of dogma. We also need to check our assumptions, Sometimes we cannot just assume that everybody has the same understanding on a certain subject or topic as you do. So in community, this takes humility, it takes curiosity, and a willingness to learn from the other. Guess what? We don't agree on everything. But we can certainly talk about it. Theology is a conversation. Now, second, uh, a shalom church is values-driven, values-driven. So, so many churches have similar visions and ideas of what they should be doing in their community, uh, but not all churches operate under the same values. Churches certainly need vision. Vision tells us where we're going, but it's our values. It's, our, it's those like non-negotiables where we're just going to agree like, okay, here's our values. Here's our non-negotiables. It's our values. That's what holds us together. This is what drives us in our, our day-to-day. What we give worth is, is the, the, the values that we give worth to, that's, that's what's going to drive us. That's what's going to drive us. And so values are ingredient to culture making. Um, I would love to go on here, uh, go on here for a little bit more, but I just want to share with you right now at, at Plymouth Meeting Church, uh, Ministry Council and myself, we're in the process, we're in the conversation. We're actually talking about our values, our distinctives, our non-negotiables. Uh, we're trying to get dialed in with who we are as a church uh, in the Philadelphia suburbs. Uh, so yeah, we are in the process of figuring that out. What drives us as a one united church in Plymouth meeting. Now third, a shalom church is a community of faith, hope, and love. And this comes this comes from the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12. After talking about the one body with many parts, Paul basically moves directly right into talking about love. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Today, we see things in part, but someday we will get the full shalom look. When completeness comes, what in part will disappear? And we will see shalom, shalom himself, 
face to face, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And so that the diverse yet one church is a community of faith, hope, and love. Andy Crouch, an author, reminds us, if we are known mostly for our ability to poke holes in every human project, we will probably uh, not be known as a people who bear the hope and mercy of God. So I emphasize Plymouth Meeting Church is a faith community. We have confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I emphasize today that Plymouth Meeting Church is a hope community. We have a sure hope that God will certainly mend all things. We don't understand everything about redemption and glory, but we can lean into the hope in which Jesus has called us to. And finally today, I emphasize that Plymouth Meeting Church is a love community. We have love for God. We have love for each other. We have love, love for our, our neighbor, both local and, and global neighbor. We have love for creation. And we all need to expand our love in those areas. Okay? Uh, there is always room to grow in our ability to love. We know God loves this world, and we know we know that, and we join in with what God is up to, what Jesus is up to. Jesus is on a mission, and we are sent into this world to be his co-workers. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we know uh, as we consider shalom, as we consider what it means to be a shalom church, marked by oneness and diversity, marked by faith, hope, and love, we know that we are sent out. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. God's love has been poured out into our hearts, and we can now pour that out into others. Uh, Jesus' love, Jesus' peace, the world needs that. And the church has a big role in that process. Come back next week, and we'll continue this conversation. God bless everybody. Amen.